You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 6th of July. Mike Conley reports, according to Athletic, that the Jazz want him back. Why that report now and what does it mean? What can we learn from the Suns and the Bucks and their defensive evolution? Referee notes, Boyan Bogdanovich notes, NBA Finals preview notes, and a live show. All coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it Way better to be a Jazz fan. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find our locked on rooms. Well, the draft is actually getting fairly close. We'll start digging into some of that. NBA Finals is here. Um, if you have not heard, Locked On Jazz is now available on YouTube. Right now, it's on the Locked On Live channel. That'll convert over to Locked On Jazz. And we're doing live shows now for almost all of our shows. Um, maybe a few extensions along the way, but we're doing live shows and they'll all be available on YouTube live right now. I'm putting them up on Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, but they will eventually just be, uh, live on YouTube. So, uh, please kind of grab that, go over, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, glad to have you aboard today. All right. Um, there was a report in the athletic by Tony Jones, um, about, the Jazz, you know, wanting to do everything for Mike Conley to get Mike Conley back. There's really one sentence in the story that's important, and it goes as follows. Uh, Sources tell The Athletic the Jazz want Conley back and will make every attempt to keep him. Otherwise, there wasn't a great deal in that story that was new or newsworthy. Tony doing his job, but I'm just like from a standpoint of if there was something news or newsworthy in that story, I would say the answer is probably not. Um, and so what? what's about that story? So there's one of two reasons that story came out. And I always kind of try to figure out, like, what happened here, right? Like, on the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols disaster this weekend, like, what happened there? Like, if you go dig into it, you can figure out where that story came from, why it came out now, all those kind of things. Um, so I, I had two thoughts on this. One, Tony's just doing his job. Right. Okay. So that's, that's the first job. Tony's just doing his job. Tony's putting out what, what he thinks, you know, what is, is important news story. Second thing is I did think it was a little strange how non-committal everybody was at the exit press conference exit. So from Mike's standpoint, I can get it. Mike just kind of, but he was very non-committal and I thought Dennis was pretty non-committal. And my one thought on this totally just, hypothetical guessing a little bit is that maybe what we're having here is with Dennis now in an advisor role that the Jazz kind of sources, right? So somebody told Tony this, Tony's doing his job. The Jazz wanted out to Mike. Hey, I know that the closing press conference felt kind of non-committal. We really want you back. Quinn was out, you know, uh, outwardly praising toward Mike and, and, you know, kind of, uh, I can't think of the word. I want to say outlandish, but outlandish implies incorrect about what an amazing teammate he is, what an amazing person he is. 
and you know how he's one of the most favorite people he's ever coached and ever been around. That's universal across the league. In fact, I got asked the other day by like, who's the nicest guy in the league, and I I thought you know what it might be Mike Conley. Um, and so I thought just the, trying to take away like what is my takeaway from Tony's story? One is the Jazz want Mike Conley, but I I don't think that was greatly in doubt. Um, obviously there's a price. Obviously, if we can't make any other moves and Mike Conley sign and trade is going to yield something that makes the team better. You have to consider it if that works, but Mike Conley sign and trade means Mike Conley has to agree to where you're going. And Mike Conley has to agree to the sign and trade. And so, um, those, that's not as easy as it is to, to pull off. And Mike Conley has to be going to a team that, that actually matches. So a little bit of my take on this was that this was a little bit of a kind of a, Hey, let us send out a, a, a balloon message to Mike Conley, that we adore you, we think you're terrific, and we want you back. And that's my take on this, is that the reason that story came out, that, you know, Tony's doing his job, but there's always a little bit of a reason why a story gets out, is that the Jazz wanted a message out to Mike saying, hey, I know things were kind of non-committal from Dennis and that press conference, and you were non-committal also, but we just want to make sure it's clear. Quinn was, Quinn was out, you know, was outwardly, filled with praise. So I just thought that was interesting. That would be my takeaway um, from that, from that note. Uh, There's some interesting stuff going on defensively right now in the playoffs. Um, First off, the two teams that have played the best defense of the playoffs are the teams that are left. Okay. So that's, you know, that could be, um, you can take that however you want, but Milwaukee, uh, really has been outstanding defensively with the 107.1 defensive rating and Phoenix has had a 107.9 defensive rating. They've both have been terrific, terrific defensive teams. What's interesting about that is I think how they've had to evolve throughout the playoffs. And I'm not certain on this. And I was trying to find the data to, to back this up. Um, But I, but I think that this is, I, I think I feel pretty comfortable about this. So if you look at the regular season, What's interesting about Phoenix, Utah, and um, Milwaukee is they all played generally, I would say, drop big. Now, pick and roll. It's a little hard to tell like what percentages they all played it and everything like that and who played the most of it and this and that and different styles. But if you kind of, there's using the data from Second Spectrum, you know, Milwaukee, Utah, and Phoenix all seem to be like top, Utah and Milwaukee were top 10 drop big defensive teams, like the amount of time they played it. And Phoenix was not, but it it felt like during the season they played a lot. The Jazz numbers are a little funky because the Jazz were just so much better than everyone else in pick and roll defense this year, particularly if they played what Second Spectrum defines as soft, which is dropping the big back. Um, you know, the Jazz were by far the best defensive team. So in turn, teams generally try to avoid doing that. Milwaukee has played the same kind of style all year of trying to um, go ahead and, uh, and, you know, cover the rim and force you off the rim. If you take both drop and ice, which means if it's on the wing, you're forcing the wing, you're keeping them down there. Then you get like the jazz are sixth in the league in, in doing that the most amount of times per game. Milwaukee is 11th in the league in doing that. And Phoenix comes in about 19th. And then the the best defense 
The Jazz, again, are far and away the best defense in the league at that uh, style of defense. The reason I bring this up is there's with there's a feeling a little bit that once you get start play better and better teams in the playoffs, you can't play drop big anymore. So what is drop big? Drop big is you're playing pick and roll. They bring the ball handler off. You drop your big back, and as the big man rolls to the basket, the big man, Rudy Gobert, behind me, the big man rolls the basket. Your big stays even with the roll man and between the ball handler and the basket. Your defensive player is playing behind the the dribbler, forcing him off the three-point line and then trying to get back in front of him. And as the playoffs continue and as teams get better, and some of the ability to hit mid-range jumpers or Trey Young's floater against Milwaukee or Chris Paul and Devin Booker's mid-range game, they take the fourth most amount of mid-range, there's a feeling that you can't play this style anymore because just keeping someone off the rim isn't enough. And so as you drop the big back, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Trey Young, or Drew Holiday, maybe who's not a great shooter, can beat you. And so you have to evolve out of this defense. So in the regular season, just to kind of give you a, and then and I'll dig into it. The Jazz, and this isn't like perfect, but the Jazz during the regular season generally defended about 70, according to second spectrum, 70 pick and rolls a game. And they defended 46 of those 70 as either soft or ice. Both those have the big dropping. Ice is pushing it to the sideline with the big dropping and soft is high pick and roll with the big dropping, the big rolling with you. Okay. Um, So the jazz played 46 of 70. That's, you know, 60% or so. That's a, that's a pretty high number. The Milwaukee Bucks, who really like to protect the rim uh, last year, protected 74 pick and rolls. They ended up playing about 44 of their 74. So not quite as many as the Jazz, but still a lot in the regular season. And Phoenix, who played, as we said, a little fewer, they were willing to switch a little bit more, particularly when they played Dario Sarch, the small. They only played 70 pick and rolls a game, and they played 30, 40 of those 70. So all of them are in the same range. They're all over well over 50%. They're all the same style. And they've all had to evolve a little bit in the playoffs. And so I want to dig in, in the next segment, what that is, what that evolution is, what it means for roster building and what it means. So a little detailed kind of geeky stuff, but it's, that's what the off season is for. That's why you join the program. Thanks for tuning in. We do try to bring it to you every single day. We had a holiday yesterday. So make sure you're listening two, three times a week, get the latest on everything going on with the jazz. We'll do our NBA. We'll do our numbers here shortly uh, this week on the draft. I'll probably do like the top 10 players and then I'll do the 10, 11 through 20 players and then 11, 21 through 30 and probably 31 through 40 for us um, over the next few days of uh, draft numbers. That's actually always been kind of an interesting way to do things on the show. Emmanuel quickly came out really well last year. Tyler hero came out really well two years ago. So doing some of those draft numbers has actually yielded um, some, some kind of fines a little bit, not all the time. Um, but did did have some fines, and I and I have those collected over the years. So we'll go back and look at who's successful and who's not. We'll start doing that. I mean, the draft is you know a little less than a month away, or probably actually draft is twenty some odd days away. So we'll do that uh, for you as well. All right, and I'll get to your questions every day as well in the third segment. That's our new live format. Glad to have you, good audience listening live. Thanks very much for tuning in today. Tuesday edition of the show is brought to you by our friends at Murdoch Hyundai, located at forty six forty six South State Street in Murray. 
located in Linden and in Logan. We want to get you into the best car you can possibly get into. The Murdoch Hyundai family has been in Utah for 90 years, helping out all of uh, Utah. And the Hyundai brand is just amazing. Uh, I turned in my Elantra. It was the North American car of the year for a reason. Couldn't. It was absolutely fabulous. Uh, the one I was driving was $26,000, high-end actually, for that car, and had every bell, every whistle, just remarkable. Um, and it's why it won North American Car of the Year. Right now, I am driving the Sonata, uh, which is a little bit of the higher-end sedan. It's a big car, fits a lot of people, has great space. And then the SUV lineup is amazing. The Tucson, the Santa Fe, the Little Cone. I drove the electric for two days just to check it out for my dad. I uh, was super impressed by it. Uh, they've got a really cool Ionic 5 coming out at the end of the year. You can check that out. So it's all going on at Murdoch Hyundai. If you're going to head down there, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Guess what? Guess what? I think today's the day. I think there's a special flavor. Oh, I don't see it. I thought there was a special flavor coming out today. I Hmm. I think there is grasshopper cookie I think is coming out today. Um, limited time flavor built bars version of the thin mint cookie. I have them. I, they sent them to me. I love them. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, only five grams of sugar. It's amazing. The coconut. I actually will be ordering the grasshopper cookie when it's up. Unless I hope it hasn't sold out already. It couldn't have possibly sold out by this morning. Um, these are great. Their specialty flavors are just amazing. The coconut brownie crunch chunk was, was through the roof. Luckily still have some of those that were running out. It's all at Built Bar. Promo code locked on gets you 15% off. Uh, the built, the grasshopper cookie is described perfectly. It's the thin mint cookie order today. Get your grasshopper cookie. The nine other flavors are there. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S track and field team as well. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN at built.com for your latest orders. The grasshopper cookie is not up yet at built.com, but will be shortly. So keep an eye on that, or at least as I record it live. All right, so what are the answers to this defensively? Because what's interesting on this is as you suddenly start to look at various games and, and things of that nature, is Milwaukee, who we just talked about, has, has had to change a dramatic amount against Atlanta. That Trey Young, Now, Trey Young got injured, and so we don't actually know if it really was going to work. But by the end, Milwaukee's playing Lopez up a lot higher. There's two things, if you're, if, and, and so from a Jazz standpoint, what this is is that if we continue to play in the playoffs, and people are going to play us in pick and roll. Now, what we saw is we're so good in pick and roll that they literally, the LA Clippers just stopped playing pick and roll against us. They literally just stopped it and went, spread the floor and drove, you know, and we saw it. And then Rudy had to come in and help. And then they kicked to Terrence Mann and he made 8 million freaking threes. Um, so let's go just pick and roll. Frankly, we don't need to change our regular season pick and roll. Like, honestly, we don't. Like, we can talk about all this stuff. This is only based on players. We have the, one of the best defenses in the NBA. We were by far the league's best pick and roll defensive team in the league. There's actually, we don't need to just start fiddling for the sake of fiddling. There's no reason at all to change this from what we saw in the regular season. There is some argument that as the 
as the playoffs continue, you have to evolve. And I actually think we made all of these adjustments. I actually don't think this is like something that's that different and that new, but there's some aspects to this when we build this roster that we can look at. So first off, I do think the Jazz have done this. Rudy's played up higher much more. Rudy's been willing to switch much more. Rudy's been much more active defensively. The Jazz have adjusted throughout the game where the level of the screen, where he plays based on the level of the screen. All of these things have actually taken place, and it's why we're the number one defense in the NBA this year and why we're the number one pick-and-roll defense. So when it gets to pick-and-roll, and this is where it's just crushing that we didn't get to play Phoenix. And, the, you know, give Clippers credit. They beat us. Like, they absolutely exploited our weakness, and we didn't have an answer to it. And that is still... Um, you know, frankly, going to be a problem. But here are the two things in the league that happen, I think, if in fact you're playing, you got to play the style. And so here it gets really interesting. So one is you can just switch everything, right? I think that we're going to probably switch more and more and then Rudy gets pulled out of the middle. And as you're forced to switch more and more and Rudy does a pretty good job with this, the problem is they what we're going to now start seeing is instead of people doing the silly thing where they attack Rudy every time and they pull him out and they attack him and then Rudy blocks a shot and we all go crazy and I make a joke about it on the air, like, oh, everybody tries it once. And they're, what they're actually going to start doing is they're going to drive and they're going to kick. And they're going to kick and they're going to penetrate off the kick and then Rudy's got to rotate back and it's a question of whether he can get there in time. So what this brings up is something we've talked about a lot. The secondary rim defender is wildly important in this league. This is going to be the new, and I've talked about this for probably two years now, and this is where Draymond Green and Kevin Durant were so great together because they were two rim defenders. You're going to have to have a secondary rim defender on the floor as teams spread out and five guys can shoot so that when the penetration, the rotation comes, if they've pulled your main guy out, you can bring another rim defender. It's where the Bucs are so great. They have Giannis Adetokounmpo, if he's healthy, and Brooke Lopez both being able to defend as the rim defender on those plays. And that makes a world of difference. Jay Crowder's not quite that rim defender. Uh, Mikel Bridges actually is pretty darn close. He's that good of an athletic wing. So sometimes when we're talking about these athletic wings and we're talking about these more athletic positions, Bogdanovich and Royce just are not that. That would be a little bit of an adjustment for us. Can we find another rim defender who can be active and long and play with Rudy in that, in the sense that if Rudy's get pushed out to the outside? The second thing that gets interesting here is if you're playing pick and roll, and Rudy's got to come up higher to the ball. The roll man now tries to roll behind Rudy. You have to probably bring the corner guy in from the weak side corner to bang and bump the roll man. It's what they do to Rudy all the time. The problem is you got to be big enough to do that. This is where, as much as everyone says this game is going small, everything I'm talking about here gets to be size and length. Size and length still matters pretty dramatically in this league. Um, and the Bucs are, like, if you think about the Bucs with Giannis at 7-1 and Lopez at 7-1 and Middleton's decently length and Drew Holiday's big first position, like, they get – P.J. Tucker's not. He's just physical. They get they get long, right? They got two well, – because of Giannis, everything fits in. Mikel Bridges is long for his position. Jay Crowder's not. DeAndre 8-7-1, and seven, one, so he is. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are probably fine. So, um, you know, I – I think that when you're talking about these guys, you, length matters because now, so Rudy's got to come up to deal with Trey Young or Chris Paul or Devin Booker or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or any of these mid-range marvels in the in the postseason, and he comes up to buy that. You still want your guard or your wing to get in back on him in a way so that Rudy can re- 
release back to the roll man and still protect the rim. You don't want him out. That's just switching. So your pref- your preferred approach is to come out, bother him, and let your guy get back. But if that roll comes aggressively, someone's got to come from the weak side to defend, and then your other defender has to play the X <clears throat> on the X out defensively. If that's if we're playing, if they run something, and that's Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell, you're six one, not having an impact on a guy who's a foot taller than you. So that's an that's another issue here when you talk about the Jazz have to make some evolution defensively. That's where length, versatility. We're thinking about on ball all the time, but I would actually argue we're talking about secondary rim defenders. We're talking about guys who can roll and bump a big. You know, when Rudy rolled against the Clippers, he ran into massive men, right? Because they were all 6'8", 220. Every guy on the floor other than Reggie Jackson was 6'8", 220. So when Rudy rolled and they brought a weak side guy in and blasted him, it was 6'8", 220 that was hitting him. That, so those are the kind of little, like, roster adjustments, defensive versatility we're seeing because I do think you're going to have to drop the big. Unquestionably works. Like, best teams in the league do it. They do it all year. It works for the regular season. We're great in the pick and roll. There's no need to greatly adjust that. But you're going to have to have the versatility to do more things defensively, whether that's playing one through five switching, whether that's playing your big up a little bit higher, whether that's blitzing at times, which you really don't want to do with Rudy because it pulls him too far out. Those kind of things you're going to want to be able to do but the key to all of them are secondary room defenders, long wings that can take space and passing lanes and Xing out on the far outside. Like one of the things that killed us against the Clippers was when they brought the guy in on Rudy, Nicholas Batum standing out there at 6'8", 220 with a seven foot wingspan with his arms all wide out doing all that crazy stuff. And it was hard for us to make the passes um, to each side. So, um, you know, I think that's what we're, a little bit of, of what we're talking about there with those versatilities. So I just want to share that with you. A few other notes for you. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich's team lost. The other day he was awesome. I think he had close to 40 again. Um, I, I honestly am glad. I, I just think Boyan just battled so hard through that wrist. Um, any break he can get. I mean, I don't mean to say like, hey, for Boyan playing the national team and and winning is amazing. I, I wish Joe wasn't playing, frankly. I, I, I have no problem with anyone who said no to the Olympics this year. This short turnaround flip. I understand it's a once in a lifetime. I understand Rudy representing France. I understand why you would do it. I also have a hundred percent understanding why you would say no right now. So frankly, from a jazz standpoint, I think if we were perfectly selfish and honest about things, we would probably want to keep all of our players out of the Olympics and let them just rest and get ready um, for the next season. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the NBA finals here for a second. The ref, the NBA refs are out and who they're going to be. I'll share that with you and I'll take your questions. Um, as we continue on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at betonline.ag. That is your home for your sports betting with the promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. Baseball lines are all the Dodgers are playing Miami today, minus one and a half. My Giants lost yesterday despite having our ace on the mound, but we're minus one and a half against Wainwright and the Cardinals um, today. Here are the NBA Finals lines. You also can bet the U19 series, by the way. Phoenix is a six-point favorite tonight. And um, so Phoenix is a six-point favorite. And then you can actually have some fun stuff because it's the finals. If you want to bet the line, like, up a little bit. So, in other words, if you want to bet Phoenix to win by 12 and a half, you're betting you bet 100 to win 190. If you want to bet Phoenix to win by over 15, you're betting 100 to bet to win 200. Um they have some fun kind of lines like that to make it more interesting on that. They have NBA game props out for you as well. 
The series right now is the Suns minus 190 and the Bucks plus 165. So they're definitely expecting um, that. USA under 19 is playing Australia under 19. They're in 11. That game is taking place today. And the USA is a 17 point favorite. Um, in that one. Also, keep an eye on it all. A lot of fun stuff going on. They also have the Mickelson-Brady matchup against DeChambeau and Rodgers, and the DeChambeau and Rodgers are the favorites uh, in that one. That's all at betonline.ag. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6.com. My good friends at Grip6 do amazing work. Uh, the belts, the socks, and the wallets. You make your choice. The promo code is locked on for you to get the best deal available. But let's talk about the belts because that's my favorite. It's all I wear. Without flaps, without holes, without bulk. It fits perfectly. Yesterday, I had to give my 30-inch waist son my 36-inch waist belt because he forgot his belt. And I will admit that one did not fit as perfectly as my strap wrapped around his 18-year-old waist quite a ways. But that's why when you buy Built 6, if you remember your own belt and get Grip 6, you get your own belt you actually get to like say what your size is and that's why it fits perfectly and you don't have to be a nincompoop. And um, is that a real word? I don't know. And forget your belt and make your dad be the one who wears no belt. But when you have a 30 inch weight, shorts don't fit. So I had to help him out. All right. That's a little bit more about our family life than you needed to know. But what I am telling you is that grip6.com is outstanding. The men's honeycomb belt is my personal favorite. It's right on the front page right there with 102 five-star reviews. You can get it with whatever color belt you want. And then the great honeycomb buckle, they're $49 plus the promo code locked on will make it cheaper for you. If you dig through, you'll see various things. The really high end, beautiful ones um, are the premium series available for you. Have the forged carbon fiber uh, belt for you can, uh, are a little bit higher. And that's what I wear when I'm wearing a suit. And then uh, the, you also can just get the basic men's classic pack. It's all at grip6.com. All right. NBA officials are out. Um, Tony Brothers, James Capers, Mark Davis, Zach Sarba, and John Goble. Those are kind of the five thought of best veteran officials in the league. Tony Brothers, James Capers, Mark Davis, Zach Sarba, John Goble, with all the injuries and everything else. Those are the kind of five veterans. Goble's right on the edge. And then the next generation, the kind of the best officials in the game, these are the guys that get there. James Williams, David Guthrie, Pat Fryer, Sean Wright, Courtney Kirkland's getting his first finals, Eric Lewis, Keane Fitzgerald, Josh Teven. Oh, and Scott Foster obviously is in that first group. So brothers, capers, Mark Davis, Scott Foster, Zach Sarber, and John Goble are kind of the six lead veteran best officials in the league in the league's mind. And the next tier Sean Wright, James Williams, David Guthrie, Pat Freyer, Courtney Kirkland, Eric Lewis, Kane Fitzgerald, Josh Teven, all coming up. That's like the next seven that are there. Wright, a little bit older. Uh, James Williams, I think a little bit older. Freyer, Guthrie, uh, Kane, and Teven uh, on the younger group that's actually uh, making it through. Nate McMillan got a four-year deal. It's probably worth talking about during the week. Um, with that, tomorrow I owe you the points gained players, just with the Conley news and stuff. I thought we should touch on that. Uh, let me get to some of your questions. Uh, David Haran, great to see you, my man. Um, here comes the question I think we're all feeling. Is it wrong? I still can't find myself able to watch NBA games all the way through because of jazz depression. It is totally fine. I'm not that far off from you, but I do think it's the finals. The finals have been legendary no matter what the year is and what the story is. And it's probably time for us to, to, to 
stop and grab it and listen and watch and enjoy it. Um, so I think that's um, it. What do you think the coaches are working on with Rudy? Josiah Johnson with a good question from YouTube. Again, we're going to move everything over to YouTube, so please go subscribe at Lockdown Live and we'll not be on Twitch or Twitter or Facebook here at some point. So we'll just be on YouTube, so please uh, make that jump over there. Um, you know, I really think it's a lot of just a lower body balance strength. And you've got to be a little careful here because the things that make Rudy great, the multiple actions defensively, the incredible dexterity, the ability to get out on a pick and roll and then get back to the rim. And all those things are also, you could lose them if you try to add too much lower body strength. This problem is when he rolled against the Clippers and they pushed him, he's so top heavy. He doesn't have that lower body girth that he ends up kind of losing his balance and he couldn't make the roll to the basket. The same thing in his post play when he, someone gets in between him and the basket, he doesn't hold his balance particularly well. But you go make him too heavy down below, you could lose all the things that make him great defensively. So it's a little bit of a give and take there. Um, I think you have to be a little careful with. Uh, Brandon Whiteside, another year of an often hurt aging point guard. They better figure out who's going to be the next point guard. I think he's going to be hurt more and will be another step slower. I mean, Mike's 30. It's a little da- a little dour by Brandon for a guy who had an all-star year and was great, but certainly the injuries. And you know, once he's gotten hurt, he hasn't played more than six or seven games in a row because we're resting him and taking care of him. Um, I, you know, I think you have to manage a 33 year old point guard. Uh, you know, I think, you know, as time goes on, Donovan probably becomes our primary ball handler in a multiple, uh, ball handler, uh, system. How involved will Donovan be in personnel decisions this season? So another good question from Josiah. I, I think when you, this is a really tricky game. So you can ask Donovan his opinion and you can, see what he wants to do. But the minute you ask that and you don't do it, now you're into a world of hurt. Like we've seen this with numerous teams where they go to their star and they say, hey, what do you think? Well, now you're almost letting your star become the GM. And I'm not sure that that's always the best answer. So keeping Donovan in the communication loop and keeping Donovan aware of what's taking place and discussing things with him is great. And same with Rudy, but you have to be very careful that the minute you do something that they didn't approve of, or they told you they wanted something else and you do something else, you've now pissed them off to all end. And we've seen this numerous times with teams where they, where they involve their best player, but their best players, not a GM, doesn't know all the cap implications, doesn't have all the, the background. You know, I, I doubt very many best players would be great GMs. So you have to balance delicately with this to the idea that you want Donovan engaged. You want his insight. You want him buying in. You want Rudy buying in. You want Rudy engaged. You want their thoughts, but you also have to have a communication with them well enough so they understand why if you go a different direction once you've involved them. Now, not involving them at all is not an answer. They'll feel ostracized. They'll feel disconnected, and you'll end up in trouble. But you've got to be very careful with this idea that you just, like, go to Donovan and say, what do you want? And then Donovan says, well, I want Jason Tatum. And you're like, well, we can't go get that. And then, you know, I mean, he's not unrealistic, but you understand. Like, there's also reasons why certain players may or may not fit. And I think that you have to be just a little careful of this. I, I actually watch more often than not involving the player in these decisions comes back to backfire on teams. And you've got to find a way to do it in a manner that does not backfire. Um, so we'll see. All right. Uh, one last question from Jason Snyder. If teams don't play pick and roll because Rudy's so good at defending it, do the Jazz have the ability to elitely defend their other offensive schemes? So 
we did not against the Clippers, right? So that was spread us five wide, dribble drive, just get to the rim, beat us off the dribble. We did not have the ability to handle that. There are not a lot of teams in the league that can go five wide and have five out and have that many dribble drive guys. Um, The Lakers probably would have done it to us with Anthony Davis and had LeBron powering into the basket, but they also didn't have the shooting. You know, the Clippers were the number one three-point shooting team in the league. So they didn't have, they wouldn't have had the shooting. You would have had guys out there taking shots that weren't very good three-point shooters if Rudy came in. Denver wouldn't have done it because they have Jokic playing the style and they're going to stay in their style. Phoenix doesn't have the one on Mikel Bridges, not a one-on-one. Chris Paul's not actually a one-on-one isolation player anymore. Booker is. So they wouldn't have been able to do it either. I mean, unfortunately, ran into the team that could do it to us. The Brooklyn Nets would kill us. The Brooklyn Nets would spread us out, drive us to the end of the earth. Um, so there are, you know, two or three teams that can get us in this style. And ideally, you're going to get better. But it's that's not an easy thing to do, Jason. I mean, the answer on this would be if you're trying to find what are the other offensive schemes. So if you've eliminated pick and roll, you're really getting dribble, drive, and kick and transition are kind of the other answers. There aren't a lot of other things you're going to be doing. Off-ball screens and some of that action um, you'll, you, you probably would see against us more than other teams. Teams kind of throw the fewest passes against us because the more they pass, the more our defense gets set. And I think you're going to see teams wanting to stay away from that. So the problem is here is like if you add one elite defensive player, then they just go away for that one elite defensive player. Um, if they actually have four or five guys that can dribble, drive, penetrate. But yes, if we can find some longer, more well-spaced defense or players can eat up spacing and a secondary rim defender somehow without disrupting too much, that's the answer to the question. That's kind of been the theme of the show. So Jason, nice job wrapping it up. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz. Appreciate you very much for tuning in. Make sure you do it three, four times a week. We appreciate our high-end listeners. I think are listening about two times a week. So you want to add a third one. That would make me very happy. It is Locked on Jazz right now. Tell your smart device to listen to the most recent episode of podcast Locked on Today. Have a good one.